Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the series that my pastor, Jim Osmond, and I did last week on The Shack, a review of The Shack, and I got a, a number of emails from you, and I appreciate that so very much. Many of you told me that you were uh, encouraged by that and, and learned from it and helped to uh, equip you, be equipped to speak the truth in love to your friends and family members uh, who have been duped by the shack, both the book and the movie. Now, today I want us to turn a bit of a corner and I want us to stay on the same theme but a different avenue. I want us to talk about, uh, for the next few days, talk about uh, the next book that William Paul Young, author of the shack, has written. And his book is entitled, Lies We Believe About God. Lies We Believe About God. I, I noticed this book first on TBN, watching TBN one night, uh, late one night. Kathy and I were laying in bed and had the TV on and uh, stumbled across TBN. And there's William Paul Young they're talking about the shack. And uh, he's being interviewed by Matt and Laurie Crouch, who are uh, now the presidents of TBN, that um, uh, Paul and Jan Crouch are both dead. And uh, so I, I, we started watching it, and he started talking about this book. And Matt and Lori Crouch are just raving about this book and lavishing praise on it. It is his next, it is next uh, contribution to quote unquote um, Christian literature, I suppose. Now I don't want you to get shack fatigue. Okay, I know we dealt with this for an entire week last week, so I don't want you to think I'm just going to continue talking about. The Shack, I will, of course, uh, probably mention it from time to time, but this is something different. This is his new book, and it's got a, a title that, I will admit, grabs your attention, Lies We Believe About God. I mean, undoubtedly, this is going to get a lot of people's attention, and a, a lot of people will read it. Uh, the fewer who read it, the better, but um, I have uh, every reason to believe it will be if not a, a bestseller, it will be up there. It's going to sell a, a lot of copies uh, because of the popularity of the previous book and movie um, from William Paul Young, The Shack, of course. And what I want this to be is, not, as I said, not to stay on The Shack, but I want to to look at some of the points he makes in this book and use this as an opportunity for an exercise in discernment. So, um, yes, it's authored by William Paul Young, but uh, I want to use this as an opportunity to, for us to exercise discernment. We'll we'll hear some some uh, interesting arguments that he makes, and uh, I want us to be equipped to give an answer for the hope that is within us, as we are instructed to to do by Scripture. And uh, not be caught flat-footed. Uh, and as I was reading this book, I just it just struck me that this would be a good thing to discuss on the radio program. Uh, not again, not for shack fatigue, but as a as a good opportunity uh, for us to exercise discernment, some good lessons, and uh, I think this will be helpful f for us. So 
Let me begin talking about the book by actually talking about the foreword. The foreword was written by a man named Dr. C. Baxter Kruger. And Dr. Kruger, I'm looking at it right now on his own website, is a, he says he is a theologian, he is a writer, and he is the director of Perichoresis Ministries. Uh, he is a native of Prentice, Mississippi, my home state. And it says he and his wife Beth have been married for 30 years. They have four children. Uh, he says that he is a lifelong student of psychology. Now, there's your first big red flag. Lifelong student of psychology. In and of itself, I don't suppose it's a sin to study psychology. It's just not helpful. Because psychology, well, no offense to Dr. Kruger, he may take offense if he hears this, but psychology is a waste of time because psychology is uh, its entirely based from a humanistic perspective and a view that man is inherently good, not inherently bad, as the Bible teaches, not uh, inherently sinful. Psychology is based upon the premise that man is inherently good and any bad things about him, any things that he may do that are undesirable, those simply stem from either uh, a poor upbringing or some kind of uh, chemical imbalance in the brain or whatever. So it, it's uh, psychology is not helpful. It's it's completely based upon a humanistic worldview and is, a, is directly antithetical to a biblical worldview. So just giving you a little background of information of who uh, this gentleman is who wrote the foreword to Lies We Believe About God. Now, I will say it says he is a fishing lure designer, and that almost gave me pause. You know, I get, that kind of gave found a little soft spot there with uh, with your with your host here because I love to fish, and uh, I saw that. I was like, oh, man, it's hard to hate somebody. Well, I don't hate him, but, I mean, you know what I mean. But, um, you know, <laughs> be, be so, I mean, if he, if he designs fishing lures, he must be a fairly good guy, right? Well, anyway, I digress. I like to fish, but that does not excuse him. I'm sure he produces some fine lures that produce, that uh, will catch some really nice largemouth bass, but um, does not excuse him for the, the danger that he fords. And in fact, the the very first sentence in his Ford is hugely problematic. The very first sentence he says this in his Ford quote: "Most Christians have a deep desire to be faithful to the Scripture." Well, no, that's actually not true. Most Christians don't have a deep desire to be faithful to the Scriptures. All Christians have a faithful desire to be faithful to the Scriptures. If you are truly regenerate in Christ. Fidelity to the scriptures is one of the fruits of that miracle of regeneration that has already taken place. So, uh, from right off the, the very first sentence, I had a had a huge um, problem and disagreement with him on that. So, um, he gives room that there are some Christians out there who are not faithful to the scriptures. Well, by definition, if you're not faithful to the Word of God, then you do not belong to God. And so he goes on to to write this forward, and in it he praises William Paul Young. And I've also just read on in, on the line a couple of interviews that he did with William Paul Young. Clearly, uh, Kruger and Young are very close friends. They have a great deal of respect for one another. And Kruger did an interview with Young 
to try to address some of the criticisms that have come his way, and rightly so, of course. They've come his way dealing with the contents of the shack, and uh, gave him an opportunity basically to answer his critics, and uh, clearly Kruger was trying to help um, uh, William Paul Young extricate himself from some of the holes that he has dug, but um, as you read through the interview, Kruger agrees with William Paul Young, and they're very uh, simpatico, theologically speaking. So um, anyway, so that that's the Ford. Now, let me say up front that some of the charges that have been made against William Paul Young are not entirely founded. Uh, of course, uh, some have made charges that William Paul Young is a modalist. I don't believe he is a modalist. When you look at the definition, now T.D. Jakes is, but uh, I don't believe that William Paul Young is a modalist. I, uh, I think William Paul Young affirms the Trinity. Now, granted, in the movie, there were kind of, at times, like a little, little bit of modalistic overtones, but uh, but he's really not. He's not a modalist. A modalist is the belief that that God changes modes, that God is the Father and then he will change modes to the Son and change modes to the Holy Spirit. So sometimes God has his Father hat on, sometimes he has his Son hat on, sometimes he has his Holy Spirit hat on, but he's never all three at the same time. Um, T.D. Jakes believes that, and go to his doctoral statement right now, he says he believes in one God and three manifestations, not three persons. That's clearly modalistic language. But um, that's not William Paul Young. That's not where he is. He affirms he affirms the Trinity, now a distorted view of it, granted, but he does affirm the Trinity. He affirms the deity of Christ, uh, though the movie uh, re- didn't outright reject it, but it, it did not give a, a, a fair represent, biblical representation of either the humanity of Christ or uh, his deity. Uh, he William Paul Young would say that he affirms, affirms, excuse me, eternal sonship, the eternal sonship of Christ, and that Christ created all things. He would say that Christ created all things. So William Paul Young would affirm all of these things that uh, you and I would affirm. Uh, so far, so good as far as that goes. Uh, all those things are true. But he errs when he says this. William Paul Young says this, quote, to speak the name of Jesus is to say that the triune God, the human race, and all creation are not separated, but together in relationship. Relationship is a very big deal for William Paul Young. That's kind of one of the buzzwords that you'll notice about him in his writing, in his interviews, in the movies. So much is centered around relationship. And he affirms the relationship of the three persons of the Godhead, of course, heretically portrayed as Papa and Sarayu uh, in, in the movie, in book in the movie. But he affirms their, their relationship, but he includes in that relationship all of humanity. all in, Not all of humanity without distinction, it will, that we'll talk about later, but he affirms every individual human being who has ever been born. All humans are in relationship uh, with God. So he says to speak the name of Jesus is to affirm that all, every single individual that has ever been born, is alive now, or ever will be born, is 
in relationship with Christ, whether or not he or she knows it. That is false. That is false. That is universalism. In fact, William Paul Young calls himself, quote, a, a, quote, hopeful universalist. And so if there was ever any doubt as to whether or not William Paul Young is a heretic, this book, Lies We Believe About God, will put those doubts to rest. With the Shack book or movie, book and movie, there is, of course, there's room for interpretation, and of course all of us are a little bit uh, influenced by our own personal uh, maybe uh, biases or, or, or presuppositions, if you will, even, that we can see things in the shack that maybe we want to see, and, and we interpret them different ways, different way, different people interpret them differently, because there's ambiguity in the book and the movie of the shack. Not so in this book. Not so in this book. In Lies We Believe About God, William Paul Young goes through and he names 28 different lies that we supposedly believe about God, and he alleges or attempts to give us the truth. And uh, and we'll see as we go through this that, that he is a blatant heretic as the Bible defines the term and as the term has been historically uh, understood, a uh, false teacher, I should say. He's a, he is a, he's a blatant false teacher. Uh, he is a heretic. He rejects the historical uh, orthodox view of the Bible and the gospel, uh, uh, the nature of God and the nature of man. In fact, William Paul Young acknowledges that his book will challenge traditional views and orthodoxy. He says, I know this is going to challenge traditional views and orthodoxy. He does not like tradition. He kind of pick up on that pretty quickly. Uh, he claims that his new understandings, the new way that he sees God, and I say new because when he was being raised as a child, he was raised apparently in something more akin to a more traditional understanding of the gospel. But he says his new understandings have helped him to be a better husband, a better father, and a better human being in general. And he tells the reader in his book, as he begins in the introduction, he tells us to relax, relax. So in other words, all of you out there who are worried about uh, the charges of heresy or that I'm subverting the gospel, he says, relax, just relax. It's no big deal. No big deal. Doctrine and theology are obviously not not very important to William Paul Young, at least the traditional understandings of historical biblical doctrine and theology. Uh, he, he totally does subvert that. He, he admits it. He says this will challenge you, and indeed, uh, indeed he does challenge the traditional understanding of Scripture and the gospel. He says to trust in his, in his book, he says, to trust the Holy Spirit who is your true teacher. That's a direct quote. Trust the Holy Spirit who is your true teacher. And uh, to lead you to the same conclusions to which he has led me, William Paul Young. Now, let's think about that statement. He says the Holy Spirit is our true teacher. True that, he is. He is. That's very clear. Uh, that is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to illumine the meaning of God's Word. He is our teacher, indeed. But then, notice how heavy-handed he is. He says, 
trust the Holy Spirit, who's your true teacher, to lead you to the same conclusions to which he has led me. So he is saying, I have the truth. All of the trusted men, faithful preachers of God, the theologians, the, all of the guys like Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and uh, Spurgeon and Whitfield, all those guys are wrong. And all the, the, the more modern preachers, MacArthur and Steve Lawson and Alistair Begg and and uh, Jim Osmond and you know all these all these men today who stand for a historical orthodox understanding of the gospel, they're wrong. They apparently have not been taught by the Holy Spirit. William Paul Young has, and so even though it's kind of ironic, even though he would affirm that all people, without distinction, are part of Papa's uh, family um, and are in Christ, well, if if they are, if we're all in Christ and the Holy Spirit is teaching us the same thing, one would think, one would assume, unless the Holy Spirit is um, uh, schizophrenic or something like that, which obviously you not only think William Paul Young would say that, or well, is the Holy Spirit teaching all of these godly men a traditional understanding of the gospel, but the Holy Spirit is teaching William Paul Young something entirely different. You see how heavy-handed this is. He says, I have the truth. I have. The, I know this is right because the Holy Spirit has taught me these things, and if you'll just let him, he will teach you these things truth. This, this as well, These are. this is the right understanding of the gospel. Very, very heavy-handed. Very much, um, very similar to word of faith, Theology, New Apostolic Reformation. Well, trust me because God told me this. God revealed this to me. God spoke to me. I got a dream. I got a vision. I was taken to heaven. I saw these things. I am I am in touch with God. I have a relationship with God. And so God has shown me these things. And if he is showing you something else, well, then you must be mistaken. If you've understood the gospel in a different way that's the traditional historical way, you're mistaken because God has shown me this. And he really appeals heavily. One of the things that you'll notice is that throughout the book, he relies very, very heavily on personal experiences. These are things he experienced. I know this is the truth because of what I have experienced. And he he does not make a lot of appeal to Scripture. When he does, it's out of context. And he does not engage any of the myriads of biblical text that would be in direct opposition to his views. He does not engage that. So when you when we talk about these lies, uh, in, in probably most of you who are listening to this radio program, undoubtedly when we talk about these lies, immediately verses will be popping into your mind. Well, what about this? What about this? What about that? Wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say that. I can tell you where I can point to chapter and verse. He doesn't engage those. He doesn't engage those. He relies upon his feelings his emotions, and his upbringing, his experiences. That's what he relies upon. And that, dear friends, is where people err. When they depart from the authority of God's Word and they begin to rely upon human feelings, human reasoning, and we must remember that we are fallen, are we not? 
and everything about us is is fallen. Our reasoning is fallen. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, says the prophet Jeremiah. So it's not a wise thing to rely upon how we think God ought to be, how we feel he should be, what we think he, what we think he should be, how we want him to be, because we're fallen. Our minds are fallen. Our emotions are fallen. Our intellect is fallen. Our hearts are wicked. But yet this is, this is William Paul Young and uh, Dr. C. Baxter Kruger. That's, that's their baseline for truth is their feelings and emotions. And yes, they will appeal to Scripture, but they twist it beyond recognition. They take it out of context to basically forward a God to the world made in their own image made in their own image. That is idolatry when we create a false god, and that is exactly uh, what what this has done. All right, dear friends, I'll close with this. William Paul Young says this, and this is kind of sum up everything we've talked about. William Paul Young says, To understand who God really is, you can begin by looking at yourself since you are made in God's image. End quote. That's the definition of idolatry. If you want to know who God is, look in the mirror. He, I mean, he has all but said, I have created a God after my own image. This is who I think God should be. All right. Okay, dear friends. Well, this was kind of a way of uh, introduction to what we'll be doing in the next few days. And we'll go through uh, these lines. Now, we're not going to go through all 28 of them because I, I don't want to spend... I don't want to spend more than a few days on this because I want to get to some other things. But uh, this will be a good, a good, uh, a good lesson for us. A good uh, opportunity for us to exercise some biblical discernment. And so we'll look at these, not all twenty-eight again, but we'll look at a number of them, and then we will answer them biblically. All right. Well, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. And I love to hear from you. You may email me, justin at justinpeters.org, justin at justinpeters.org. And uh, very soon I'll have some new resources available for you. Of course, my book, Do Not Hinder Them, is available now at my website, uh, Biblical Examination of Childhood Conversion. Dr. John MacArthur was gracious to write the foreword to that book dealing with some of the issues of children and conversion. And in just a few weeks, probably in about three weeks or so from this recording done March 18th, within about three weeks or so, I should have uh, the new version of my Clouds Without Water seminar. Um, un, uncreatively, I suppose, entitled Clouds Without Water 2. I've never been accused of being overly creative. So Clouds Without Water 2, an updated and expanded version of my Clouds Without Water DVD, new version, a lot of new information, a lot of new material, new false teachers, and also Costi uh, Hen, Benny Hen's nephew, was gracious, and he has recorded kind of a, an introduction, um, a testimony from Costi Hen. That will be on the new DVD, so I'm really excited about that. All right, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. Until our next time together, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, 
interested in more teaching resources or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.